0: welcome to A Meaningful Mess Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to say thanks for listening. I'm your host, Andy McNair. I love sharing about and advocating for gifted education, talking about passion-based learning, aka Genius Hour, and just sharing practical ways to make learning meaningful for today's learners. If this is your first time to listen, please check out the trailer episode to learn more. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. Here we go. Welcome back to episode 73 of A Meaningful Mess podcast. You know, identification of gifted learners is so important because there can be so many negative outcomes when students aren't identified. And I visit a lot of schools and a lot of places, and it's just so evident to me that oftentimes we are not identifying gifted learners for so many reasons. And gosh, I know that when I was in the classroom, I look back and and I consider what I know now versus what I knew then. And I know for a fact that I had gifted learners in my classroom that I never nominated for services, uh, partly because I didn't have a real understanding of what giftedness was. Um, I think some of it was because of my own um, kind of assumptions that I made about those learners. And so what I want to talk about today are the reasons that we sometimes do not identify gifted learners or miss gifted learners. And I also want to share some innovative strategies that you can utilize on your campus or throughout your district to make sure that you aren't missing any of the learners that should be receiving gifted services. Okay, so we're going to dive right in. First, we're going to talk about the reasons that sometimes we are, um, we either misidentify or don't identify gifted learners. And then we're going to really get into those innovative ways that we can. Um, look for gifted learners, or at least consider them for services if they're not qualifying in that traditional way that so many times we utilize to put learners into gifted programs. So as I shared, I think one of the main reasons that this happens, that sometimes our learners aren't identified, is simply because of a lack of awareness. You know, one of the things that I have had the opportunity to do recently, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, just because I think it's so important, is having that opportunity to not only share with educators about what giftedness is and what it isn't, but also talking to parents about that in the community. I just think it's so important that we all kind of have this understanding of what it is, what it isn't and how those learners can be served well. You know, some educators just aren't aware of the characteristics and the indicators of giftedness. So if you don't know those things, how do you ever recognize a gifted learner? And so as we think about that and consider that, how do we make that happen? I think one way to do that is to make professional learning around gifted education a priority. I think it's easy to assume that these learners are fine and that our PD should spend, be spent considering our struggling learners or strategies to fix kids. And <laughs> there, are, there are so many learners that are sitting in classrooms, either bored out of their mind or they feel like school is a waste of time or really not designed for them. And they're not fine. And so it's important that we take the time to understand what giftedness is, what it isn't, and how we can serve them well. And that awareness is huge. Another thing that we have to consider is um, some assumptions that we make about gifted learners. And this kind of ties into the awareness aspect of things. But this is like, you know, when we think about learners who come in and maybe English is their second language, so often we're so focused on fixing that or getting them what they need to overcome that barrier that we're not even thinking about the fact that they may be gifted and so i know that in that community there are so many gifted learners not being served simply because we're so focused on fixing what we think needs to be fixed. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to overcome that a little later in this episode. Um, But when we think about, you know, low socioeconomic status, you know, some of those learners are not going to have the vocabulary. They're not going to have some of the perspective that learners, other learners are going to have. That's just a fact. And that's just because of what they've been exposed to and what they have experienced. So to assume those learners aren't gifted because they don't come in with a cookie cutter, um, they don't look like the cookie cutter picture of giftedness, leads to those learners never being identified and therefore never served. And when that happens, uh, those kids can go through school just feeling out of place and knowing that there's something missing for them. And oftentimes that is gifted services that they've deserved all along and just never been given because we were never able to see their giftedness. Um, Okay, so something else that is important to consider, inadequate assessment tools. You know, we always have the traditional assessments when it comes to gifted education, like IQ tests, um, a lot of the traditional tests that, that schools give to put kids into the gifted program. But I really think it's so important that we consider additional ways to look at giftedness learners can be creatively gifted. And I know there are tests for that. I know there are assessments for that. Um, A lot of learners have the ability to lead, right? They're gifted in leadership. Some learners are gifted in a specific content area. But one of the things that I see, and this is going to sound crazy, but unfortunately, this is something that if I'm honest, I think when I first started teaching a long time time ago, um, I think this is an assumption that I made was that you know, a gifted learner is a gifted learner is a gifted learner. In other words, if they were gifted, they should be good at everything. So if a student was really gifted in math, but they struggled in reading, I let that struggle be greater than what they were good at. So I focused on that struggle versus seeing their giftedness. And so it's important to say out loud that gifted learners can be 100% 100% gifted in one area and absolutely struggle in another, right? Just thinking about twice exceptionality makes that clear. But if we even set back a little bit from twice exceptionality, and just consider that in different content areas, learners can struggle in one content area and be gifted in another. It's really, um, I think, something to consider. I'll give you an example. My daughter is uh, struggles in math, right? She's like her mom. <laughs> she struggles in math. It doesn't come easy to her. It's not something that makes sense immediately. But if you had access to the notes in her phone or you saw the way that she was able to write and express her ideas, it would be very clear to you that she was a gifted learner. However, if I'm her teacher and I'm teaching her math, I'm I'm possibly never going to see that giftedness because she's not being given the opportunity to share it, right? In a math classroom, oftentimes, if she's not given the opportunity to write or to express her thoughts, that giftedness is not going to be evident. And so really thinking about how do we assess in a way that gives us a clear picture of our learners and where they're gifted and how do we do that in a way that leaves it very open to identify giftedness even if it doesn't fit the box that we think giftedness is Um, so considering the assessment tools and coming together as a as a committee and just saying hey what are we using And, and and what could those tools what are they identifying and what are they maybe not identifying what are we missing Ah, number four is a big one, underachievement. (laughs) This is, uh, we see this a lot with gifted learners, and it really ties to kind of what I just said. Sometimes if they're struggling in a classroom, sometimes it's not because they don't understand something or they're not good at it. It could be because they're underachieving, which means they're not performing at their full potential. And this can be because of boredom. Maybe it's just flat out a lack of being challenged. Like this is so easy. I'm not even going to insult myself by participating. Or disengagement from the curriculum. Like, I don't even know how this connects beyond the walls of the classroom. And so it's hard for them to buy in. Regardless, there are so, we could spend an entire... In fact, I did do an episode on underachievement. I wish I had looked at the number of that episode, but you can go back and find it. But there are so many things to talk about when it comes to underachievement. But I do think that it can be a barrier to identifying giftedness. If a learner is underachieving one of the last things that we as educators assume is that they may be gifted and I think this is something that is really important to consider and look for and be able to identify in our learners. Uh, Lack of support. Think about gifted learners who uh, maybe just don't receive the appropriate support or the accommodations that they have needed to thrive academically and socially, right? I think about this in older kids who maybe should have been identified earlier, but they weren't. And so then because they haven't had those needs met, they haven't been supported, this can oftentimes result in them being unchallenged, disengaged, and frustrated, and, and they're never identified because of that. So that's why I think it's so important. That's why I'm a big, big fan of uh, universal screening, right? Making sure that every learner is tested. I think that's a really good idea in second grade uh, because I think learners are, are getting a little bit older then. I don't know that I'm a big fan of universal screening in kindergarten just because I think they're so young and that that's difficult to, um, I don't know that that would, catch all of our gifted learners. And I'm not even suggesting that in second grade, that would be the case. But I am telling you that universal, universal screening gives us an opportunity to at least make sure that we are putting um, into place an equitable, um, an equitable, I totally lost the word way to look for gifted learners that's the only way i know how to say that there's a word but it's not coming to me right now so that lack of support students may not get if they're not identified early which can then lead to um as they get older that that frustration that we sometimes see okay so those are five quick reasons that gifted learners are not identified so sometimes it's because we simply don't understand what it is a lack of awareness Sometimes it's because of um, just not being able to see it because of other areas that they struggle in or where they come from or who they are. Inadequate assessment tools, underachievement and lack of support. Those are all things that we want to consider when it comes to identification of gifted learners. And those are common reasons that gifted learners are missed or never identified. And I just wish people could understand the frustration gifted learners can sometimes experience when they do not receive services it seems like sometimes like is that really important do they really need services absolutely especially when the services are done well and they give that learner the opportunity to be challenged and to you know, especially when the program addresses the social emotional needs of gifted learners. There's just so much to that. It it is important and it is something that we should be saying out loud. So let's talk about some innovative ways that we can identify gifted learners because, you know, we talked about the traditional assessments, the things that a lot of districts do. But look, You could probably have seen this one coming this is not a secret but i think that genius hour and passion-based learning is a great way to look for and identify gifted learners i know a lot of districts that do portfolios and that look for giftedness in those portfolios genius hour is a really great way to make that happen because what you're doing is you're giving that learner an opportunity to pursue an area of interest or an area of passion and then to make an impact based on that interest or passion. And throughout that process, there are so many opportunities to see giftedness that won't always fit into that traditional school box. I say this all the time on the podcast, but just in case you haven't heard me say it before, you know, there are kids at school that are never going to pass a unit test, but they can go home and put a car back together, or they can go home and speak three languages. And I don't care who wants to argue this point, like that's giftedness right? That's important. And so we may not see that though, if they're never given the opportunity to do something outside of the traditional classroom experience. And genius hour is just that. So finding a way to fit that in, I think can be really powerful. Okay. Strengths first mindset. Um, This is a big deal. My hope is that campuses and districts are already doing something like this. But just in case you're not, um, I know some of you are going to hear this and be thinking like, oh, we do something very similar to that. And you may not call it strengths first mindset, but this is this is kind of what I'm talking about. This is the idea that before you ever talk about a learner's weaknesses, you always talk about their strengths first whether that is uh you know let's say a learner is having difficulty and you go in to talk to the administrator about it you're not going to talk about what that student doesn't do well until you first say what they do well Uh, when you're talking with a colleague in the teacher's lounge and you're you're discussing a student you're discussing a learner and what they're capable of and what they do before that conversation starts you're going to address what they do well this can be most powerful with parents, right? And this is what I think a lot of you guys probably already do. But in a parent conference, regardless of what that conference is for, if you're going to bring a parent in and you're going to talk to them about their learner or their child and how they do at school, If you jump right into weaknesses first and where that kid is struggling, those parents are going to be defensive. I can tell you that because I'm a parent, right? We all know that. Like, that's our kid. And we want to know that you know what they can do well before we hear you address what they don't do well. So leading off any meeting, any, any conference with, hey, look. This is what I see that this is these are the areas where they're really killing it. This is where they're doing things well. That just sets the tone. And I've been in that situation. I've been in a parent meeting where I went in completely defensive. And when the teacher said to me, hey, Andy, here's what your uh, here's what they do well instantly. Uh, the walls were down and I was ready to listen to them because I knew they saw my kid for who they were. And it's just huge. So a strengths first mindset means that every conversation you have about a kid, whether it be with an admin colleague um, or the kid themselves or their parents, you're always going to lead off with strengths first. Okay, so genius hour, strengths first mindset, and the last innovative way that I think we can utilize to look for giftedness is just to encourage curiosity in the classroom. We know that curiosity is a big part of giftedness, but if your classroom is a place where students are only given the opportunity to ask questions when you ask them to raise their hands, or if they're afraid to ask questions because they don't want to get the wrong answer, It's going to be really difficult to see curiosity for what it is. And so we want to encourage our our students to in the classroom, be able to ask questions that seem out there or like, you know, questions that may not seem directly connected to what we're learning about, but if it somehow ties to it and their brain has gone there, like that's oftentimes what giftedness looks like. But if that curiosity isn't encouraged, if there's not a place for it in the classroom, that's going to be really difficult to see. So I think encouraging curiosity through things like, gosh, I've talked about this before as well, but but the uh, strategy of QFT, question formulation technique, giving your learners the opportunity. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at andymcnair.com slash episode 73. The show notes will be there. But this idea of encouraging curiosity through QFT just means that you go through the process of before you even before you even talk about what you guys are going to be talking about that day, you let them consider what do they want to know about it? What are the questions they have about that idea, concept, or standard? And that gives you, the teacher, the direction that you need to go. And you can look at the questions that are formulated during QFT, and it's very evident how deep they're thinking what their level of curiosity is and you may see some things in some learners that you've never seen before just because they weren't given the opportunity to be curious so Three innovative ways to kind of start to identify gifted learners using something like Genius Hour and looking for giftedness that may not fit into a traditional school experience, a strengths-first mindset, always addressing learners' strengths before we talk about their weaknesses, and then encouraging curiosity, giving them opportunities to ask real questions and questions that are meaningful to them. So as we think about this idea of identifying gifted learners, my hope is in this episode that you're just able to kind of think about it differently instead of saying it's like, oh, well, this is how my school tests and this is what we look for, that we are a little more open minded when it comes to that identification, because I think that's so important. Man, I would love to hear from you about how your district or your campus identifies gifted learners. I know there are so many people out there that are doing innovative things and starting to kind of challenge the status quo. So um, you can always go to my website and connect with me there, andymcnair.com. You can click on contact Andy and reach me that way. Find me on Instagram at a meaningful mess. But man, I just so appreciate you being a part of my community. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll talk to you soon. so much for taking time out of your day to learn with me today. I absolutely love this community and enjoy sharing and learning with you. Check out today's episode notes by swiping up in most podcast apps. If you'd like to learn and connect more, you can follow me over on Twitter at McNairAN3, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Meaningful Mess. You can always find tons of resources, inspiration, and information over on my website, andymcnair.com. Be sure to check out my blog, Genius Hour resources, and so much more. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, I hope that today's episode has inspired you to find meaning in your mess.